is in Louisville, Tennessee, uh, right outside of Knoxville, Tennessee, if you're familiar with that area. And uh, so I'm going to ask those guys. I think it's Royal, right? Now, are you coming on? No? What if, I, what if I made you come up here? No? Okay. All right. All right. And then, uh, Ryan, come on up here, buddy. Royal and Ryan are going to share with us, and we got a slideshow as well for you. Okay, so, morning everybody. Um, for those of you who don't know me, um, my name is Ryan Wrights, and um, like Aaron said before, um, me, and, um, me and a gang of um, fellows here at the church um, went, to, went to Louisville, um, Tennessee, for a mission trip um, a couple weeks ago um, called Riverwood. Now, um, don't get me wrong, I had a blast at Riverwood, I really did, but I'm going to talk about something um, like a side project that we did. Um, um, like, we left on Saturday morning, Right early in the morning, like around 8 o'clock, which is still pretty early for me. But um, we left on Saturday morning, and then we came back um, that Thursday night. And, um, and um, so that Sunday, um, we helped, um, we helped um, a service project called Live It. And um, for those of you um, who may have heard my speech um, last year about Live It, um, Live It is a service ministry where they take up donations um, in the community by other people, and then they, then they resell. Um, they kind of reach out to the community and to provide for, for other people who may not have like nice clothing or nice furniture, nice whatever, anything you could possibly think of. It was probably there in a living warehouse. They had donations like stacked probably about this high. Of course, with my head, it's probably not saying all that much, but that's that's beside the point, though. Um, this is our second year serving. And um, like I said before, the, the warehouse was stacked pretty darn high with, with donations. And um, they, had like, they had like old books, old clothes, um, old toys. They had some Christmas stuff there that we organized too. And um, me and the guys, um, basically were the, we were there to help um, organize um, some of the technical stuff like old computer monitors old computer monitors, old television sets, old game cables, cables, all kinds of stuff, like all technical stuff. And we basically um, helped them. We helped Paul and Terry Danis um, with just kind of like organizing the warehouse since the ministry is still in its infancy and, get, and slowly getting up off of its feet. And so um, last year I called Live It, um, kind of like as a joke, I called it a nonprofit goodwill because that, if you think about it, it's pretty much what it is, because they, they reach out to the community, um, but they don't expect anything um, in return for it. And, um, and last year, um, since it was the first time I'm serving there, um, they just had a really cool story because, like I said before, since Livet was still getting up off of its feet and still um, in its infancy, um, Paul and Terry pretty much put all their financial faith into God's hands. Um, because both of them obviously want to work for Liverpool full-time, but they got to bring in money somehow. So um, it was just so cool to see how they put um, 
how they put all their financial faith into God's hands. And here we are one year later, and God's provided for them in, in an incredible way. And they're, re- they're, they're making progress, they're making big progress. And so, um, and so I guess um, this year I think I'll call it um, a new term, not a nonprofit goodwill, but a profit goodwill. Because um, when we went into the warehouse, I haven't noticed on um, the shelves that, um, that were that had um, like different donations and stuff, and they had price tags on them. So people are, are able to come in and, um, and be able to buy, to buy um, any, any of the donations that they've taken up already. <clears throat> and again, this is mainly for people that, that can't provide for themselves or um, just have, um, don't have nice clothes or anything, or anything like that. So it's pretty much, it's pre- so it's pretty much like, um, like an invitation um, for, uh, for other people. And so needless to say, um, God is doing some, some great things through Paul and Terry's ministry. And I actually had a question for, for, for Paul, um, for, li- for Livet, and it just kind of dawned on me that Livet and Goodwill were very similar. Because if you think about it, um, Livet and Goodwill um, both um, they both take up donations, and then they try and resell um, the donations to other people. So I just simply asked Paul, what's the, di- what would, what's the difference between Goodwill and Livet? And Paul's answer was simply that Goodwill is more compassionate and humanitarian-based, and Livet is more faith-based and community-focused. And that was just a very cool thing for me. Because, um, like it says on the, on the, the Livet t-shirts that, that I have, um, we all got them, but um, Livet's motto is taking the Bible out of the box. And that's a, that's a pretty cool thing. It's a very cool thing because Livet simply just takes the Bible out of the box and puts it into the community where it needs to be. And Livet also focuses on a specific Bible verse, Mark twelve thirty one, where it just simply says to love your neighbor. And... Um, um, it's actually funny because um, we were going to help out live it, with Livid um, on that Sunday, and we went to church that morning um, at Seymour Heights Christian Church, and I happened to be talking to a lady. Um, I, I happened to talk to a lady who noticed my Livid T-shirt, and she said, um, "Sir, do you work for Livid?" And I said, "No, ma'am, I don't. But me and um, me and my team are going to be helping out um, at the at their warehouse this afternoon after lunch." And she said, well, that's very cool because I just received, I just got a new table from them just a few days, few days ago. And that was just, that was just a very cool thing for me. That was like mind-blowing. That's just like, that's just like, wow. It's like one of those wow moments. It's like, what are the odds of me, of me encountering somebody who's been blessed by living? It's just, it's just like, it's just, it's just wow. That's all, that's. That's all I can use to explain it. And so, and um, again, I love Livid's story about how Livid simply went financially from nothing to something in just, in just a short time span. I just, I, just lo- I just love their story, and I love Livid, and I'm probably begging Debbie next year to have us help out with Livid again because I just, I just enjoy thinking about what Livid's going to do in the near future, and I'm just looking forward to its growth and and the years to come. Thank you.
Well, uh, I was actually listening to this song, you know, What Can I Say? And I was thinking, man, I didn't prepare anything. What can I say? And this guy came walking up here with the binder, and I was like, he needs to speak first. Because uh, I had nothing. But, uh, yeah, so Riverwood is a mentally handicapped elderly home. Uh, we got the opportunity to, well, do a lot of stuff around that place. Cleaning closets, bathrooms, painting, playing basketball. There was a Riverwood Chester Christian Church basketball game. And unfortunately, we fell short. So it wasn't uh, our proudest moment, but we, we played hard, but they played hard. But now, so who Aaron was calling up here first off was my daughter, Jessie. And if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have gone. Uh, so if you're looking for a good trip to do with your family, I'd really recommend Riverwood because it's very family friendly and it's just a great time. And also we got to celebrate Arthur's birthday which whenever, we're, uh, whenever somebody's birthday comes up, I think of Psalms 139. I want to read something. Should have had it pulled up, I guess, before, like the whole time he was talking. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. And that last little portion there, I know that full well, was something that I was able to expound on at Riverwood. I would have never gone there if it wasn't for my daughter. And I would probably never thought of Psalms 139 if it wasn't for Arthur's birthday. And so I just wanted to say, you know, if, like, like I said at the beginning, just if you're looking for an opportunity to serve with your family or, or do something like that, Take the opportunity of something like this because it, it'll just ever increase your walk with God as far as just what your focus can be, what, what his, how his word speaks to you. So think about it, and thanks for giving me the time to talk. Yeah, I think about that verse, Royal, and uh, I thought you guys were going to do a song this morning. <laughs> you know, I think about that verse, Royal, and I think about where you guys were at, and um, you, you guys were at a, a, a home for the mentally challenged, correct, Debbie, and uh, those who have special needs and things like that. You think about that verse, man, the fact that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's every single person. And as we talked about last week, we are created in the image of God, and that is what makes us special. That is what gives us value to every single person on this planet, regardless of you know, their brain function, regardless of their abilities. Uh, we are created in the image of God, and that is what gives us value. That is what gives us worth, and that is what we need to rest in. And so thank you guys for sharing I want to open us up with prayer. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to the book of Acts. Book of Acts. We're going to be back in Acts. Kind of round a little bit. Awesome. Acts chapter 2. We started there last week and uh, talked just a little bit about that. And we're going to be in there for the majority of today. Acts is in your New Testament. 
It's the history of the church. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts chapter 2. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you so much uh, for uh, the Riverwood group. I thank you for their ministry. I thank you for uh, Debbie who leads that trip and just her uh, passion and her leadership ability and uh, the way that she's organized all that and put that together. And I thank you for uh, everyone who went on the trip and how, uh, Father, you used them and how you uh, impacted them as well, Father, how they were influenced and impacted uh, by ministering there at Riverwood. I thank you for all the things that they were able to accomplish uh, there at Riverwood. And uh, so, God, we just thank you for that, for that team, and we thank you, Father, for all the things that they've done and how you're just going to continue to work in their life. Father, we pray now as we come to your word that you will just, uh, Father, just as we sang, sang this morning, God, just your Holy Spirit would just be present, that you would fill this place, and God, that you would just move throughout, God, that we would come to your word with open hearts and open minds, and that we would uh, just be convicted, Father. Uh, thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. It's his name we pray. Amen. So I want to ask you guys a question. How do you, how do you plan to get where you're going? Uh, if, if you've taken a trip this summer or if you uh, are going to plan to take a trip, how do you plan to get where you're going? Now, most of us would just hop in the car, and most of us probably have a built-in GPS on our car, or we have our iPhones, you know, our little, little iPhones that we can just kind of punch in the address, right, and uh, that, that'll take us to our destination. But if you're old school, uh, you may go to the computer and you may go to MapQuest or Google Maps, right? Anybody remember what that was? Right, and you would type it in, and then it would give you a list. What, what did you say, Al? I said, is that, old that well, <laughs> it is. I, actually, I'll tell you a funny story. I'll tell you a funny story. A few, a few weeks. This is this is really bad. A few weeks ago, I did a wedding in Martinsville, Virginia, which is about two hours from here. And I've driven through Martinsville before, but I've never like like stopped in the in the town. And uh, so, so we were. Uh, it was towards the end of our our cycle for our phones, right? My my wife and I. And, uh, and so we didn't want to use the data uh, to go over. And, uh, and so we, we, we went old school, Al. We printed out MapQuest directions. And you guys remember how you print out like two or three sheets, right? And you'd have them in the car there. And then about halfway there, it dawned on us, wait a minute, we have GPS in our car. What are we doing? What is that? We're so used to just using our phones, we forgot we actually had built-in GPS, right? That's pretty silly. Or, or if, you're really, if you're really old school, now I, I want to ask how many of you guys remember this. Triple uh, A had a service, and it was called, I think it's called Trip Tax or something like that. You guys, Trip Tick, Trip Tick. And Trip Tick, you would call Triple A, right, and you would give them where you wanted to go, and then they would actually compile all this data for you, and then they would send you a, basically a book, right, and you would take this book with you. And how many of you guys have used that service before? Yeah, several of you have. Several of you are old school on us. All right, very good. But what if instead, here, here's the question though, but what if instead, some of you are like, triptych, what is that? Yeah, I've never heard of it before. But, but here's the question, what if instead of making progress down the highway, you wanted to make progress in your spiritual walk with Jesus? You wanted to, 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 uh, to, to grow in your relationship with Jesus. What would you bring along with you to ensure that you reached your destination? What, what would you depend on to keep you on course. And what I want you to know this morning is this, that here at Chester Christian Church, we take discipleship, this, this idea of growing in our faith, becoming more and more like Jesus, very seriously. 
Matter of fact, our purpose, our, our, our purpose here at Chester Christian Church is written on our walls. You come into the auditorium. It's in your program this morning. It's very simple. It's to make much of Jesus by reaching people with the gospel, discipling people in the gospel, and equipping people to share the gospel. And so here at Chester Christian Church, we've decided that the best way for us to disciple people in the gospel and to equip people to share the gospel is through getting people connected into community, getting people connected into small groups. And so last week, what we did is we started off a two-week short series talking about the importance of small group life in this church. And our goal during this, this two weeks is, is, my goal during this two weeks is really to persuade you, to persuade you to see the value, the importance, and benefits of being connected in community, to being a part of a small group. And I realize that, that, that today is going to be a challenge, just like last week was a challenge, uh, for, for many reasons. But, but for the most part, the biggest reason is because time. Time is a major reason why we don't get connected. I mean, let's this, this face it, we're all busy. We have full schedules. We have to cart our kids around town to their activities. We have jobs. We have social outings. Our calendars are already maxed out. And we just simply don't have time for another night of the week to get plugged into a small group. Or maybe you work long hours. Maybe you work out of town and you're like, man, my job just doesn't uh, you know, afford me the, the opportunity to be able to get connected in community. I get that. I get it. I know it's hard. Or maybe you just have this idea that small groups is, is a bunch of people that are kind of sitting around in a circle and we're holding hands and we're sharing feelings and we're singing this kumbaya, you know, this type of, you know, touchy, mushy stuff. You know, and if, that, if that's what small group is, then I'm terrified of it too, you know what I'm saying? Or maybe you're sitting here thinking, but, but Aaron, isn't Sunday morning just, isn't it good enough? It isn't just coming here on Sunday morning, isn't that good enough for me to just be able to grow in my faith and listen? I love Sunday morning. Don't get me wrong, man. I get geeked out about Sunday morning. I love Sunday morning. I love the opportunity to come and to gather together with you guys corporately to sing songs as we did this morning to, to, to exalt Jesus. I love the opportunity to be able to, to be encouraged by you guys, and I love the opportunity to be able to encourage you, and I love being able to preach the gospel every single week. I love that. But Sunday morning is really about me standing up, in here, standing up here, talking at you. There's not really a whole lot of interaction, right? I mean, sometimes I get interaction from you guys, but, but for the most part, it's me standing up here, talking at you. It, Sunday morning is kind of a, a once-a-week event. Very little interaction. But in small group, you're building relationships with others. You're investing in others. You are, uh, there's more interaction and discussion with others. And this is why small groups are vital to discipleship, man. Our purpose, again, is reach, disciple, and equip. And so I've got a visual illustration to kind of, to kind of show you this morning. I'm going to ask, I didn't ask you guys before, but I'm going to ask Chris and Daniel. You guys come up here and help me with this? You guys are like, oh, no, this is not good. I'm still in this. Uh, we had a guy come to our church. Uh, you guys may remember Billy Hires. You guys remember preached back in June, was here. And he shared this uh, illustration. Come on up on stage. Uh, this is Chris Higgins. You guys say hi, Chris. This is Daniel. You guys say hi, Daniel. Oh, uh, Daniel. All right, so, so here, here's the idea. Here, here's the idea about discipleship in, in a church, and this is kind of what we're about, right? We want to reach people with the gospel, okay? And that means we want to be out in our community. We want you to be out in your community. We want you to reach people with the gospel. And so when you reach people with the gospel and they become uh, a Christian, uh, they decide to follow Jesus, they're, they're, the Bible describes them as an infant, a baby in Christ, okay? And so, Chris, you just came to faith, man. You are a brand-new Christian. You're a baby. He's an infant, right? And so what do you have to do with infants, right? You have to feed them, right? 
right? I mean, you have to feed them. And so as, as, as a believer, right, as a believer in Christ, what's so funny about that? I thought you were out of a bottle. Oh, I could do that too. No, I could have brought... I, so, so as, as, as a new believer, right, uh, Chris is, is, needs to be fed. And so I, I, I'm a mature disciple in, in Christ. I'm equipped. And so I, I feed Chris, right? I feed him. <laughs> now, now, here's the idea. Here, here's the thing, okay? As Chris is being fed, as Chris is growing in his faith, okay, it's just like with little babies. Think, like, I've got two kids, and my youngest is Shepherd, and he is about 19. How old is Shepherd? He's somewhere in 19 months. I don't know. But, but the thing of it is, man, the day that both of my kids began to feed themselves, I, like, I, I did a little party dance, okay? I mean, I was, I was rejoicing. And so, and so there's going to come a day when Chris no longer needs me to feed him, but Chris is actually going to be able to feed himself, right? Chris, you guys get that? You guys understand that? Because Chris is going to uh, know how to dig into to the Scriptures. He's not going to get in the Word. But then there's going to come a point when, uh, when Chris not only is going to be able to feed himself, but then Chris is going to take a spoon and, and then feed Daniel, who's also a new Christian, who is an infant in Christ, and he's going to be able to feed Daniel. And that's the whole idea of reach, disciple, and equip, right? Our goal is to reach people, disciple them, and equip them to be able to disciple others, right? And the best way for that to happen is in community, in small groups, right? Thank you. You guys give them a hand. Can you imagine... Being out to dinner with your, your wife, and, uh, who's a grown adult, and you're, you're at a restaurant, and you're sitting there feeding them with a spoon, right? How crazy would that look? You know, and that's kind of the idea there. And I think part of the problem is this misconception about community when it comes to church, right? I mean, churches across America, by and large, have become more consumer-driven, right? They've become more customer-designed type of churches. In other words, they're, they're a Sunday morning type of church only. They're there for the show and there's little to no discipleship. There, there's little opportunity for folks to apply their faith and to put their faith into practice, to take the Bible out of the box. You know what I'm saying? There's very little opportunity for that. There's little opportunity for people to kind of grow in their love and affection for Jesus. As a matter of fact, the New Testament paints a totally different picture of what the church is and what it's to be like. And what, what you see in the New Testament is a body of believers, a family made up of brothers and sisters in Christ. Like, church does not consist of people who simply park and then participate in the program. As a matter of fact, when you see the word church in your New Testament, the word church there that's used in the Greek New Testament is, is a word called ekklesia. You guys say that with me? Ekklesia. It's not bad. I'll give you an A minus on that. It's pretty good. And you know what that word means? It doesn't mean church. Like what we say, the word is actually means the called out ones. The called out ones. And, and, and the point is, is that we've been called out of darkness into light. We've been called out of darkness into light. We're on a mission. We're on purpose. God has called us for a purpose. And so the church comprises people who share the life of Christ with each other on a day-by-day, week-by-week basis. And this is the type of church that we want to be. We want to be a New Testament church where we do life together, where we grow together, where we challenge each other and become more like Jesus. And we see this pattern with Jesus and his disciples. I mean, yeah, there were many occasions where Jesus taught the masses. He taught the multitudes, right? But the majority of Jesus' ministry, what did he spend his time with? How many people? You guys can answer. This is interaction time. Okay? You guys can answer. If you get it wrong, I won't scold you. I mean, how many people did he spend? Twelve, right? He had twelve disciples. 
Twelve disciples that for three and a half years, man, he lived with them. He spent the majority of his time with them. He served them. He taught them. He encouraged them. He corrected them. He journeyed through life with them. He spent more time with those twelve than he did with anybody else. And then he had, out of that twelve, get this, Jesus had three, Peter, James, and John, that he did everything with. He took them up on the Mount of Transfiguration with him. He took them to the Garden of Gethsemane with him. I mean, he did everything with his three. And so Jesus had this group of 12, but then within that 12, he had three. And so today I want us to take a deeper look into Acts chapter 2. And I want to show you, last week, last week my, my point, my, my main point was this, to show you how the gospel forms community. And so today what I want to do is I want to walk through this passage and I want to show you how the gospel continually forms com- community. So that, that's, that's what I want to show you this morning, is how the gospel continually forms community. Because, listen, the same gospel that saved you is the same gospel that's going to transform you. And so what we see here in Acts chapter 2 is the Apostle Peter has just preached the first gospel message. And when the people heard it, it says they were cut to the heart and they asked, what must we do to be saved? And Peter replies, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And it says 3,000 people were baptized that day. 3,000 people. And then starting in verse 42, this is what it says. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, that's to the word of God, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending to the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So how does the gospel continually form community? Well, the first way is through fellowship. I want want you to look at that word fellowship in the very first verse there, 42, because that's an interesting word. That word, I'm going to give you, I I, I very rarely ever do this, so this morning I'm giving you two Greek words, okay? So just bear with me, all right? But the Greek word that's used there is koinonia. Can you guys say that with me? That's, that's really good, man. You guys get an A plus on that. That's very good. All right, koinonia. You know what that word koinonia literally means? It means partnership or sharing. It means partnership. As followers of Jesus, we've been called out of darkness. As a church, we've been called out of darkness into light. We have become partners with Jesus and with each other, which means that faith is not private. Yes, you've been individually saved by Christ, but you are not the only individual saved. We are a community of believers made up together. We are a body of Christ. Church is a team. Church is a community of followers who care for one another, who honor one another, who serve one another, who instruct one another, who forgive one another, who motivate one another, who teach one another, who show kindness to one another, to give to one another, to hurt with one another. And restore one another. I don't know if you know this or not, but there are 50, over 50, one another passages in the New Testament. I don't know if you know this or not, but it's kind of hard to do one another by yourself, isn't it? It's kind of hard to do that. And all these one another passages combined paint a beautiful picture, not of a people who simply come to a building once a week, but of a people who do life together. Who have decided to lay down their lives for one another because Christ laid down his life for you, for us. It's about investing in each other relationally. It's a partnership. We're a team. And so the very first way, man, 
the gospel forms, continually forms community is through that partnership, through that fellowship, man. It's us doing it together. It's a partnership. It's a team. The second way the gospel continually forms community is through the word and prayer. Right there in that very first, word, first verse, verse 42, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to word, the word of God and prayers. Listen, man, the word of God is powerful. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for instruction, correction, rebuke. Hebrews 4.12, the writer says, For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is discerner of the thoughts and the tents of the heart. I love that. But then in John's gospel, this, he, this, is, this is so beautiful. John's gospel, he opens up the chapter, chapter 1, verse 1. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in just a few verses later in chapter 14, I mean in verses 14, it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Jesus is the Word. Jesus is the gospel. The Word is powerful. And that's what John is saying. And if we will be a people of the Word, then it has the power to change us and transform us. It has the power to convict us. And I want to just give you a few examples of folks here in our church, man, who are involved in community, who are involved in small groups. Just to, I mean, I could give, we could stay here all day and give examples of how the Word is changing and transforming people. And, but here are just a few examples, man. There's a young man in our small group. Who, who, who is wrestling with forgiveness. Somebody close in his life has hurt him, has let him down, and has, has hurt him, and he's hurt by that, and he's having a hard time forgiving. And so we've met on several occasions, and we've had several conversations, and we've wrestled together, and we've opened up God's Word, and we've seen what it says about forgiveness. And I'm going to tell you something. It's not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing. He still wrestles with it. That's what faith is. Faith is wrestling with our doubt. And we're still wrestling with it, but the good news is he doesn't have to work through this alone. He's got, he's in partnership, right? He's in a community, he's in a team. And that's the beautiful thing about it, man, is that he doesn't have to work through it alone. We have some other individuals in other small groups who are going through difficult seasons of life. I mean, their bodies are breaking down physically, and some days are really tough. But they don't have to go through it alone, man. They go through it with community. And they study the word of God together and they're encouraged because they read passages about how God is their strength and their deliverer. And they're able to recall the promises of God and know that in the midst of trials and tribulations that God is faithful and he's caring and he's loving. We sang about it this morning. There's another example. I got this email uh, just this past week and uh, this is what it says. Sometimes I struggle with uh, insomnia. And when I do, the devil attacks He reminds me of my failings and especially the sins I repeat and have a hard time overcoming. I feel ashamed, worthless, and so sad. How many of you guys can relate to that, right? That's why I say you've got to preach the gospel every single day to yourself. So recently when this happened, instead of struggling to get back to sleep, I got up, it was 4 a.m., confessed my sin and shame, asked God for forgiveness and deliverance, and got my Bible. I used the Divine Mentor reading schedule, and that day's reading was in Psalm 34. And it just spoke to my heart and lifted my head. This is what it says. It says, let all who are helpless take heart. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. 
No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed, and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? The word of God is powerful. Write down Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. This is what it says. Uh, This is a beautiful picture. It says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of wicked, nor stand in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, the word of God. And in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. Streams of water represent the word of God, which yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. Right, so you get this, this idea, you get this picture of a tree that is firmly planted, rooted in the streams of water, which is the word of God. Now let me ask you a question. A tree that is uh, firmly planted and rooted in streams of water, when times of drought, or, time, or you have seasons with little rain, how is that tree going to stand? Pretty good, right? Because it's, it's, in, it's rooted in the streams of water, right? It's flowing in those streams. Same way with the Word of God, man. When you're rooted in the Word of God, when you are feeding yourself, when you're studying the Scriptures together, and when you have those, those, those seasons of drought in your life, when you have those times where you start to doubt the goodness and faithfulness of God, you can begin to recall those promises of God because you're in the Word of God. Amen? And you will stand firm. The Word of God, man, the Gospel begins to change us and transform us, which produces fruit in our life. Galatians 5 The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. You begin to produce those things in your life when you're in the Word of God. I love what 1 Peter chapter 2, we were talking about this just last night at Small Group Cookout. I love 1 Peter 2, and it says, Like newborn infants, like newborn babies, long for pure spiritual milk, long for the Word of God, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. All right, what a beautiful picture that is. My youngest shepherd, man, he is a milkaholic. <laughs> I'm just telling you. And every time he knows he's going to be getting milk, man, he'll run over to the fridge, and, and the freezer's at the bottom of the fridge, and he'll run over and pull that thing, man. He'll act like a wild man. And that's kind of the idea that Peter is saying here, man. Long for it. Crave it. And what better way for us to study the Word, man? What better way for us to be accountable than to be in a partnership, to be in a group with other people who are studying the Word? People that you can have discussions with. Hey, man, I was reading this the other day, and I, I'm struggling with this. Can you help me out? Can we talk about this? What better way to do that than within a small group, within a community, people that you're in a partnership with? But the gospel also forms community through prayer. One of the, most, one of the things that's most encouraging to me is as a group when we pray for each other, right? It's a beautiful thing when you're in a group together and you go around the group and you just begin praying for each other. The different needs that you have, the different things that you're going on. One of our elders here, Noah Jesse, sends out a text every couple of weeks to, to, to uh, several of us, and he asks two questions. He says, what, what's one thing that you're thankful for? And then what's one thing stressing you out? And then Noah prays for you. That's encouraging, man. That's encouraging when people are praying for you. When we come together and pray, what we're saying is, is that we are, uh, we are totally reliant Independent on God. Right? Can't do it myself. I'm totally dependent and reliant upon God. 
And when you're in a community together, when you're doing life together, when you're in a small group, man, people are going to know your needs. People are going to know what you're struggling with. People are going to know, and they can pray for you, man. I've got a, people that are praying for me, man. That's encouraging. And that's what living in community is about. You pray for, for each other's marriages. You pray for each other's neighbors. You pray for boldness and courage. Power and prayer when we pray together. We see it in the book of Acts, man. In Acts chapter 4, James and John, or I'm sorry, Peter and John have been released from prison, and it says that they met with other believers to pray. And when they did, man, the Bible says the whole place shook, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Later in Acts chapter 12, Peter's in prison, and it says that a group of believers were meeting in a house, and they were praying for Peter and his release. And an earthquake happened and shook, and, and the jail opened up, and Peter was released. There's power when we pray together. We see it. And that's encouraging. And that's how the gospel continually forms community through the word of prayer. But the gospel also continually forms community through meeting needs. Jump down to verse 45 and it says, They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Listen, when you're in a partnership with each other, when you're a team, you care for each other. Listen, the gospel gospel reminds us that we are all needy people. Every single one of us. And since Christ has met our greatest need, our spiritual need, then we are motivated to care and meet the needs of our brothers and sisters who we are in this partnership with. How encouraging is it to know that you are cared for and loved for? When times get hard, you have friends that are there who you can, who you can lean on, and they're there to respond. If somebody's having surgery, we have small group members that will go and they will pray for that individual. They'll pick up a phone, they'll pray for that individual over the phone. Or, 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 or they'll uh, take them a meal after surgery. I tell you, you guys do a great job of this, by the way, man. If somebody's coming home from the hospital or somebody's just had a baby uh, or somebody's having surgery, you guys do a great job, man, responding by taking meals. We're at eating church, man. I'm saying that right now. We love food. I love food. So we, we love food, don't we? I'm going to tell you, man, what a blessing it was for, for, for Robin and myself whenever we had our two kids and we'd come home. We had to cook a meal for three weeks. And I can't cook, and that's a good thing. Right? And so, man, what a blessing that was. What an encouragement that was. And you guys respond so well with that. And that's what being a part of a community is like, man. You're noticed. People take notice. People care for you. They take care of your needs. I got to give props, man, to a couple people uh, for something that happened just this past week. A lot of you guys know who Shirley Warren is. Shirley Warren, if you don't know her, she is on our, uh, she's on our staff. She's a finance treasurer person. She kind of handles those things. And... Um, and I didn't know this until I read it on Facebook this past week, but for, for years, she had been wanting to um, put together a bedspread, kind of milt, uh, make it, quilt it together, uh, for her son who turned 50, I think it was this past week. Is that worse, Tina? I'm looking for, oh, it's Tina back there. Yeah, and so she was making a, but, but, but because of, of Shirley's physical conditions, because of arthritis and stuff, she was not able to complete that project, and, and she was really wanting to do that. Well, Tina Miller, one of our members here at church, uh, who they serve together uh, every month at movie night, uh, found out about it, and because Shirley saw her here one night at movie night quilting, and, or crocheting is what it was, crocheting and quilting. So I, don't, I don't know the term, but I'm jacking it all up. Right? You, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? And so, so she's crocheting, and Shirley's like talking with her, and she's telling her about her story, and then this past week, man, uh, so, so Tina takes time, makes sacrifices, and, and, and is it crocheting? Is that what it is? So you crochet that thing together. How long did it take you to do it? Several months. 
And to see the post, man, from Shirley's son, who was elated that, that he was able to get the bedspread that his mom had started years ago. How many years do you think that was? Do you know? It was years ago, though, right? But Tina stepped up, man, and she took care of a knee. She helped a sister in Christ out. Uh, that's, that's love, man. That, that's grace. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, this past week, uh, Robin uh, had worship practice on Thursday night, and I had a leadership meeting uh, on Thursday night as well. And, uh, and so we, had, we were in a bind because, like, what do we do with our kids, right? We can't just leave them at home by themselves. They're five and two, or uh, not quite two, right? Uh, not quite that age where we can leave them at home. But there was a lady in our church, somebody that, 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 that we, we do community with, somebody that, that, that we know very well, who volunteered to watch our kids for free, yo. You know what I'm saying? For free. And that's a blessing. We've had other folks, man, who have stepped up before in the past and have done that for us. Right? I mean, and, and that's awesome. Friends shepherd friends. Galatians 6.2, man, we, we carry the burdens of each other. That's, that's what we do. Tina didn't have to do that for Shirley. That, that young lady, she didn't have to do that for us. Right? But, but they did it. And that's, that's, that's the, that was a gift it was, it was grace, and that's how grace is. You don't earn it, you don't deserve it, but when you experience that kind of love, right, I don't deserve this, it's awesome. And if you want that kind of connection, if you want that kind of, of community, that kind of learning, then you have to be willing to live in community. And that's how the gospel forms community. Listen, it, it can be tough sometimes. We're messy people. But as we learned last week, man, the gospel breaks down those walls. And when Peter preached that message, 3,000 people's lives were radically changed. Radically changed. And listen, I I believe that most of us here, man, I I believe most of us here know the gospel message. Most of us here know that that God pursues us in relationship, that he sent Christ to this earth that he died on the cross for our sins and he was resurrected from the dead. I think most of us know that. But here, here's my prayer, here's my hope, man. Is that that gospel message would move six inches from our head down to our heart. And that message would take root in our heart. And then it would so radically change our life that we would see ourselves for who we are and we would see Christ for what he's done. And that would so motivate us and so change us. Man, I mean, these people changed the world. These people changed the world over 2,000 years ago. And that's my prayer this morning. Living in community can be challenging, but it's what God created us for. So we wouldn't live our lives for ourselves any longer, but we would live our lives for each other and for our world. Amen? So here's the challenge, man. I'm going to ask you guys, just like last week, and when you came in this morning, you got a program, and inside that program, there's a Connect card, and I'm going to ask you to pull that Connect card out, and on there, there's, a, there's an option for you to be connected into a small group. And if you need time to pray about it, I can go ahead and give you your answer. Right? I know what God's going to tell you, okay? God's going to tell you, get connected, because He created you for it. Right? You don't need time to pray about it, all right? But, but here's the thing, man. Will it be challenging? Yes. Will it be tough? Yes. Will it require some sacrifice? Absolutely. But the gospel helps us. The gospel allows us to be able to do that. And so that's what I want to encourage you guys with. Listen, if you're here this morning 
and, and you'd be interested in leading a group, that's an option also. I mean, I had a couple last week who, during that sermon, said they felt convicted, man. They looked at each other, and they said, it's time for us to lead a group. And so they signed up, man. They're going to lead a group. Man, if that's you, if you want to be a facilitator, if you want to learn more about what that's, what that's like and what that's about, listen, we'll sit down with you, and we'll chat with you, and we'll, we'll kind of walk you through that process. We'll disciple you in that process. So, so let's take time to do that this morning. One of the things that, that we also saw in the early church, just like last week, is that they, they, they regularly broke bread together. And that's a, that's a, a reference to, to the Lord's Supper, to communion. And every single week here at Chester Christian Church, we do that. We, we take bread that represents Christ's body, and we take the juice that represents his blood that was shed on the cross. And so uh, here in just a, a moment, uh, the guy's going to pass around a tray of bread and a, and a cup of uh, juice. I encourage you guys to take that. Take, take that time to, to remember what Christ did for you, to celebrate uh, his sacrifice for you on the cross. And then we're going to continue to worship a little bit more. But I want you to think about, uh, about this, this challenge of living in community as we do that, all right? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your son, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the fact that we are created in your image, that uh, we are, of all creation, we are uh, supreme in creation. And we thank you for that. We thank you, Father, for that you are the one who alone gives us self-worth and self-value. Father, we thank you for the fact that you've given us each other, that, we, that you created us to live in a community. And yeah, it can be tough sometimes. It can get messy. Father, that's the way you designed us, and that's the way, uh, Father, you, you, you help us grow, is just to live in community. Father, I pray that we would see the importance and value of that. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who sacrificed itself on the cross for our sins. Thank you for the hope that we have. Thank you for the victory that we have in him. And may we take time now to celebrate that in Jesus' name. Amen.